Welcome to Doctor Who on the Rocks, a podcast where we drink whiskey, discuss the longest running show in science fiction, and arbitrarily assign points to find out who really is the best doctor. I'm Diana, and I've seen it all. And I'm Jen. I've seen nothing. This week's story is The Edge of Destruction. But first, it's the Whiskey of the Week. Oh yeah! Okay, so this week's Whiskey of the Week is uh, called 1835 Bourbon Whiskey. It's really kind of like a generic bottling because I can find almost no information about it. It's mostly out of Kentucky. Um, it says Texas made, but the fact it doesn't say Texas distilled mm-hmm. means it wasn't actually distilled in Texas. Mm. Um, I got this when I was uh, doing a specs run because it was real cheap. Mm-hmm. It's only $27. Um, and I figured, why not? Why not? Yeah. It doesn't count as one of my quotas since it's under 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, that's what the specs guy told me. And he was really tall and really cute. So great. So naturally yeah. you were like, I'm by it. Right. Um, <laughs> but what I've also learned since then is that uh, this may not be the best one we'll ever have. Hmm. Um, but at a $27 price range, I didn't anticipate it being the best one that we ever had. I yeah. was just looking to see if this is a, you know, cheaper bottle of whiskey we can get from time to time when we're not looking to be artisans of yeah. our drinking experience. If, if we need something to mix stuff with. This is it. Maybe. I don't know. I've never had it. <laughs> I think we had one of their other bourbon whiskeys at one point over mm-hmm. the holidays. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember exactly. Which it was. means it can't be awful, right? I, I, I you know. Because we haven't really had an awful whiskey. Not awful. No, we haven't had an awful one. Everything has been technically drinkable. Cheers. Cheers. See what this is. Down the hatch. Okay, it doesn't smell too bad. Does not burn my nostrils or singe my nostrils. Okay, you know what? Sippability for me on this one, pretty good. Does it taste like ass? <laughs> Slightly. How is how is your sippability good and when it tastes like ass? I mean, because. The, the initial shock to my system isn't like with the one we had last time, where it was a bur- an immediate burn in my throat. This one, it comes a little later. Um, this is definitely a whiskey that I would get on a night that I just want to sip something cheap, uh, not, ha- you know, holding high expectations. This is a whiskey that I would buy and use when I technically want whiskey mm-hmm. and I don't have the budget yeah. to spend 20 more dollars. Yeah, I'd potentially take this over. Because I guess it, it's, it's, you know, when, yeah, I, when, no. I, when, when I was no, beca- <laughs> No, because I'm, I would never want this. I would never want this to represent my taste in whiskey. I mean, it's a, it's the first Tinder date, like... 
I don't care. My who cares? Is it going to be tooted and booted? Well, shit. <laughs> I don't do tender. <laughs> Tender's scary. And I would never want this whiskey to be the representation of my taste in whiskey. Yeah, but what if he's a douchebag and he doesn't understand whiskey? So it's like, mm, I used to look a little like. Yeah, but I still would have had to drink it. A glass, oh. you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, this is a definitely like uh, mixer. Like, keep it on your bar cart because every once in a while, you're not necessarily looking for a great whiskey. You're looking for something that has kind of that oaky flavor. Mm-hmm. It's technically alcohol. You can put it in something else. Yeah. But I wouldn't necessarily want this to one drink for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would buy this again on, like, a weekend night where we were looking to, like... Be prepared to have a hangover day. <laughs> That's fine. And like mix it with stuff. Mm-hmm. But I would never have this and be like, oh, it's a late night. You know, I just got home from work and I would love to have a little wee glass of. No, it's never going to be this. It's absolutely <laughs> never. This is going to sit on my shelf and die. That's why I said you bring it to one of those like two day Buddha Tinder dates. Yeah. Yeah. What do I, I don't know what I'm going to do with this bottle. I'll never buy. I I will be honest. I'll probably never buy this bottle again. Yeah. Fair, because it's just not. I don't like the flavor. The, it's crazy because the smell, the nose on it is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like the smell. Mm-hmm. It's just everything after the smell I don't really like. <laughs> yeah, to me, it's not that bad. But also, my palate is ass. So, <laughs> well, my palate is ass in the sense that. I don't know. Oh, fuck. Guys. <laughs> I mean, I mean, keep drinking it because it's the whiskey of the week, but Jesus. My palate is ass in the sense that I can't identify flavors. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you what I'm tasting, mm-hmm. but I can tell you whether it's good or not. And I'm hoping to, like, create, like, an algorithm so that I can see, you know, like, I've rated my rye high, so I think mm-hmm. that I like rye. Mm-hmm. So that's a flavor profile that I like. Mm-hmm. I know I like my peats. Um, I don't like this. Mm. Yeah, to me, it's not that bad. And it's, I guess for me, because it's, it's also just like, even with wine, which I like, I love wine, but I still struggle. Like, I don't really taste the difference between a, a really expensive bottle or like a $4 bottle from Trader Joe's. Sure. You know, so that's, that's, and even with whiskey, I'm like, it's alcohol. Sure. <laughs> it tastes like alcohol. <laughs> So. Yeah. So, what are you going to score it? Um, sipability always, always my my leading force. Um, sipability for this price range, I'll give it a, I'll give it an eight. Oh my god, you demon! Sipability price range, like it's definitely the kind of whiskey that is like, you know, just standard i don't want necessarily want like jameson or whatever or like bullet bourbon or something you know this is kind of like in that like that's blasphemous you know jameson and bullet is much better than this (laughs) i mean i feel like they're kind of like on par you know like i don't like we're gonna have to do a blind well at some point we'll have to do like a blind flight 
Yeah, because I, I mean, we're tasting these a week apart, so I'm just like, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't taste too much like booty, you know? It's like, no, it tastes exactly. Like booty. <laughs> you know, this doesn't really like burn my nose hairs. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you're gonna go with an eight. Okay. You're comfortable with an eight. Yeah, uh, sippability, price range, yeah. Because I'm going with a straight five. Oh damn, ninety proof. Look at that. I never thought I'd go below a seven with a whiskey. Um, I mean, like, it's not vodka, and I hate vodka. I hate vodka is not here. I am not here for vodka. Um, Mostly because, to me, vodka just tastes like hangover. Mm. 100%. Um, This isn't quite that bad. No. But it almost tastes like hangover. See, I don't get that from this bottle. And that's I mean, great. I can taste a hangover. I will buy. Good to know that Jen <laughs> likes cheap whiskey. I can buy a twenty-seven dollar bottle of whiskey for Jen. I'll stick with the hundred twenty dollar bottle. I'm a simple gal. That is patently not true. You're just cheap. <laughs> I'm a cheap date. Uh, all right. Well. So you gave it an eight. I gave it a five. We'll record the scores. Yeah. Um, I think you're crazy, but we're going to keep drinking it for the rest of this episode. Good thing it's going to be a short one. Hey, y'all. As a small palate cleanser from what was truly a terrible whiskey, I just want to take a small moment to thank Beadspot for featuring us on their list of top Doctor Who podcasts. I'll leave a link in the show notes so that you can check out some really great other Doctor Who podcasts. And thanks to Feedspot for noticing this small fledgling show. And honestly, thanks to all of y'all for listening. It really means a lot to see how many people are enjoying the show, the feedback that I've been getting, and the rating and reviews that we've gotten in iTunes. It really means a lot and it really warms my heart. So thank you. Let's get back to the show. This week's story is The Edge of Destruction. Mm-hmm. Two episodes. Mm-hmm. That's it. So it's a short one. Um, notable happenings in the world while this episode showed. The day before the first serial, mm-hmm. the Beatles landed in America for the first time. Mm-hmm. The day after the first episode, they were on The Ed Sullivan Show, which is kind of a big deal for mm-hmm. Beatles fans. Mm-hmm. So this is when Beatlemania is blowing up in America. Interestingly enough, this is also where Dalek mania starts hitting in the UK, where Daleks start becoming a big part of the media Mm -hmm. for Doctor Who, and Doctor Who really starts um, being more of a pop culture thing Mm -hmm. in the UK. So we're starting to get people really gravitating towards the show and starting to watch it. Okay. Edge of Destruction was written by David Whitaker and directed by Richard Martin and Frank Cox. Richard Martin also directed episodes in the Dalek storyline. So we're starting to get some repeats. Okay. So what are your first impressions? Well, for me, this episode was really, I mean, chaotic, but I think that was on purpose. Oh, it was a fucking accident. Yeah, because it was like... My real question is, do you actually know what happened? No, I thought people were possessed at one point. I was yeah. like, who the fuck is, what, this, what is happening? Oh my God, Barbara has an idea? <laughs> Shit. 
And then, yeah, I, you know, it was all chaotic. I, at one point, I was like, does a TARDIS have a mind of its own? Because it's, like, doing all these things. Yeah. This is the third time I've seen this mm-hmm. serial. Um, and I still have trouble following. At least, especially the first episode mm-hmm. is just a mind fuck. Yeah. And then, like... All of a sudden, Susan changes into like this straight jacket looking dress. Terrifying. And I'm just like, sweat. I mean, the sweat yeah. and everything. Terrifying. I, was, I really had no idea what was happening. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. Um, it's still one of those things where I have to go look up like a plot synopsis mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. figure it out. So essentially, what happened crash, mm-hmm. and then everyone passes out, and everyone's having trouble remembering. And so everyone has different amounts of time they can't remember, mm-hmm. which means that they can't remember Barbara and Ian. Barbara and Ian think they're at the school, which is why they call themselves yeah. by their formal last names. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get this weird red herring of, you know, Susan going absolutely apeshit mm-hmm. and her claiming that there's something inside the TARDIS because the doors were open. Yeah. And that, uh, I'm, you know, maybe it's in one of us. Yeah. And then it turns out there's not anything and that the TARDIS is fucking up and that the TARDIS is trying to warn everybody that it's fucking up and that it was really just that a button was being permanently pushed mm-hmm. and the TARDIS was uncomfortable Yeah, and real mad about it. Yeah. It's not, so one of the things about this episode is they, so they commissioned 13 episodes for the first season. Mm-hmm. They have, if you look at them all, mm-hmm. there's 11 episodes throughout yeah. the first season. So they needed to fill in two, mm-hmm. which is what happened. And I this mean, it, really it, feels. It feels like it. Like, yeah. I was like, edge of destruction. Oh, this is, this is fitting because you actually made me feel like I was at the edge of destruction because of I, all this shit was going on. I don't know what was happening. Was there a demon? Wasn't there a demon? And then the shots with the point of view shots were like the hands. Yeah. You know, like Ian choking Barbara. Or like... The choking was intense. <laughs> there was a lot of choking. I'm just like, I feel like. Yeah, someone has like an obsession with like asphyxiation, really. Like it was, that was a little strange. That was a little strange. Yeah. Um, so. Part of the background to what makes this one a little bit interesting, um, there was this fad at the time. One of the actually one of the notes that I made when we first started watching the first bit of the first episode, I would just like to comment, guys. I don't think that Jen is appreciating this whiskey. Anymore. No, I take back my rating. You can't. You gave it an eight because I know, but I felt I feel like with ice, it tastes worse. Right? Guys, this is just a bad whiskey. I stand by my five. It's better than vodka. There probably is some vodka that's better than this. And I, I really mean, hate I vodka. I think there might be a lot of things. I, I, I take back my rating. You could. Um, so, yeah, opening on the first episode, it felt like, I don't know how many of your friends are or were theater people. Just me. Just me. I'm, and I'm not a real theater person. But, like, I have a bunch of friends that are, act, like, 
their committed job as adults Mm -hmm. are actors. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of having friends that are actors sometimes Mm -hmm. is that you support them no matter what. Mm -hmm. And sometimes your friends know they're going to be in a really bad show. Mm -hmm. but it's going to go on their CV. Mm -hmm. They really, you know, any job is a job. Yeah. And if they've got a job, you support them. Mm -hmm. You go see that show Mm -hmm. because that's important for Mm -hmm. them. And sometimes it's just real shitty. And your actor friend knows it's shitty. And you're in the audience and you know it's shitty. And you're watching the stage show and you go, oh, fuck. Even they know shit. <laughs> I can see it. And they're giving their hard, like, they're working so hard, but they know. There's that episode of Friends where Joey's in that show on about um, Freud, and it's just real, real bad, but Joey doesn't know it's quite bad, mm. but everybody else does. That's what it felt like, watching that opening. You know, all of these actors yeah. knew this is a shit episode. Yeah. And I know it's a shit episode. And I know it's even shittier because I know that they know it's a shit episode. But they have to do it anyway because they're on contract. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. And that's what the whole first quarter mm-hmm. of that first episode felt like. It was a really bad stage production. Also, I just feel bad. Like, just going back to Barbara, I'm like, damn. It took the real shitty episode for her character to develop. Yeah. Like- yeah. Well, so what's interesting is there was actually a um, a fad at the time for stage productions in the UK to have, it's based off of a play called Six Characters in Search of an Author mm-hmm. by Luigi Pirandello, mm-hmm. P- Pirin- Pirandello, probably Pirandello, he's probably, probably anglicized. Um, and it's essentially this concept that characters are aware they're characters. Mm-hmm. And they're aware they're on stage, mm. which is something that we see in TV shows yeah. every once in a while. Um, Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell did it, where he realized that he was his life was being narrated and he's a character. And uh, a Truman Show. Yes, very that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely a play on it. And so this is kind of an offshoot of that, where it was very staged. Like, they didn't necessarily realize that they're characters, but you, all of a sudden it went from, you know... Our past serials have been, there's a camera and an experience, mm-hmm. and they're unaware of the camera, like it's just shooting something that was happening, to this was set up like a stage production. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, Barbara Cross's stage left, and Ian, you know, it, it's, it was so much more dramatic mm-hmm. than television, the, than the television we've been getting mm-hmm. with Doctor Who, mm-hmm. uh, where it was a little bit more modern sense of like, we were these characters in this experience. And this mm-hmm. was a little bit more like classical theater. Mm-hmm. And it made it really fucking weird. Mm-hmm. So I think to really get into this episode, we might as well go ahead. Let's go ahead and go into our TARDIS points. Okay. Because whereas I do think that some serials are still going to be worth talking about outside of the TARDIS points. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was so, it's really just our characters in a room. Mm-hmm. And so it really is more character driven yeah. than others. So, 
Let's talk about the doctor. What do we think about the doctor in this episode? I'm just starting to realize like, <laughs> I'm not a real fan of the doctor. This doctor. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he did something good where he tried to do like the peace offering after Barbara basically tells him about himself, which I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck yeah. yes, Barbara. Yeah. Yes. Um, Come through Barb's. Right, yeah, for, for real. Um, but then again, he goes back to his old shitty, like, turning on people, you know, trying to leave toss them out of the yeah yeah just like fuck you bye i don't know what's outside but but jettison yeah yeah fuck you and his whole quote one man's law is another's crime i was like this really just encompasses your selfish ass like you're basically like i forget what part he said this but i think it was right before he was going to turn on ian and barbara Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, so this is how you're justifying your shitty behavior. And then when uh, Susan tried to tell him that he should apologize to Barbara, and yeah. apologize to Ian, like, he really didn't apologize to Barbara. He was, he basically was just like, if it wasn't for my shitty attitude with you, you wouldn't have had the courage to actually have an idea. Sure. Which was she, just like, yes, yeah, I'm like, yeah. what the fuck kind of apology is this? Like, she was the one that actually... Connects the dots for everyone in her yeah. fugly ass dress, but she connects the dots for <laughs> dots for everyone. Yeah, and they're alive because of her. So I really so the doctor, not a fan. Sure, not a fan. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't necessarily blame you this episode. <laughs> um, so what are you gonna give him? He gets a four. A four. That's mm-hmm. higher than I thought you were gonna give him. So yeah, that's okay. He gets a four. The doctor is the one I wrote the most notes on. He was definitely one of like our central protagonist mm-hmm. for or antagonist, depending on <laughs> what your perspective is. Um, he was definitely our central character, mm-hmm. arguably, to this episode. I'm going to um, bring up another character that is not in our TARDIS points just to discuss story wise okay. or potentially villain wise. Okay. Um, I always have trouble with early doctor that he's just like, let's just throw him out of the airlock. Cause that's cool. You know, don't kill him directly, but like that's still murder. Yeah. I don't know what's outside, but we're all, we're all freaking out with the door, (laughs) the shitty doors. (laughs) Can we talk? Okay. Side note. Can we talk about the doors for a second? The doors are pretty sharp. Horrific. Second of all, I meant to talk about this in the last episode, too. It's in all my notes. When the doors open, so, fun fact. Yeah. Nerd note. The round things in the TARDIS have an actual name. They're called roundels. I don't know why. It's fine. (laughs) When the doors open and you have that zigzaggy Mm -hmm. meeting point Mm -hmm. and they swing in you see the inverse roundels on the outside of the door Mm -hmm. but when they leave through those doors and you get the outside perspective it's the TARDIS doors yeah it's the police box door they go from being the width of a barn door to I need to slide through because my shoulders are too (laughs) wide for the TARDIS and I'm technically okay with all of this bullshit because science fiction you know it's bigger on the inside that's fine 
But I want some in-universe explanation about why it's about how about the even if it's from Ian and Barbara's perspective of going from doors the size of a barn door to immediately having to squeeze your shoulders through a door. I just want just something because that bothers me, frankly. Yeah. 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 Um, But the doctor pisses me off the entire episode. (laughs) But what I do like about this episode is, considering in the last one, you had him going, um, Susan, praise me for my intelligence. What are you doing? I just did something cool. Why are you not telling me that I am the coolest thing since sliced bread? Mm-hmm. To, in this episode, admitting he doesn't know things. Yeah. And saying, going from in the beginning of the series to saying... Um, that, you know, the TARDIS is just a machine. It can't think for itself. What are you talking about? Don't be stupid, Barbara. Mm -hmm. You're saying all of this stuff, but the TARDIS is a machine. Mm -hmm. To acknowledging that the TARDIS was telling them stuff. There is a sentience to what he thought was a spaceship. Yeah. And he, weirdly enough, through all of this, I think it's the first time they gave the doctor... A point where he wasn't just a curmudgeonly old man. Mm -hmm. He was a curmudgeonly old man realizing Mm -hmm. that he still had more to learn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to see if this is just something that happened in this episode as a standalone. Mm -hmm. Or if we're really going to see that more with with this doctor. The development. Yeah. And if this is a starting point or if it just kind of goes back, reverts back to, well, I had a moment of clarity, but now I'm going to plateau again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he gets like a point in the half wiggle room for having a Socratic moment, Mm -hmm. a I know nothing moment. I still have things to learn. Mm -hmm. That being said, he was a giant douche nozzle. Yeah. This whole episode. Yeah. I do like that he, even though he doesn't give Barbara an apology, mm-hmm. he does, you know, there are those people in your life where you're never going to get real apologies out of them. Oh, for sure. But you have moments of conversation where you go, okay, so I'm never going to get an apology out of them, but this was their attempt. Yeah. I don't think the doctor knows how to apologize. I don't think that that's been trained in him. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But the fact that he verbally admitted to everybody in the room, sans Barbara, because she had already stomped off, Mm -hmm. um, that he had underestimated her the whole time, that that wasn't just something that we kind of see, that something he said out loud, Mm -hmm. I thought was really great. Mm -hmm. Um, And then to go into the next room and really tell her that she is, you know, a valued member of the team. Mm Mm-hmm. Is more than she's gotten out of him so far. Yeah. Which doesn't like make up for thriving to jettison them. Yeah. But it's that whole thing where when we only get two episodes and we've been looking at at least four parters up until this point, hopefully this will lead into something for the next serial. Yeah. Um, So I'm hoping that this is a transition episode for the doctor. I've never quite gone through the show like this where Mm -hmm. I'm like micro analyzing everything. So I can't remember. Mm-hmm. exactly how the doctor how I feel about the doctor in like the next serial mm-hmm. um so I'm gonna give him this I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him like a 5.5 5. 
Okay. It's not his best showing. I'm not going to, yeah, I can't show his ass. This he time. really did. And it wasn't cute. <laughs> Old wrinkly ass. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't go, I would go lower if he didn't have his moment. Fuck, I learned something this episode. Mm-hmm. Very clearly, we're showing this guy learning something. Mm-hmm. So he gets points for that mm-hmm. because he learned it with grace. He just did nothing else with grace. I was like, his last seven minutes were great the last seven minutes very graceful he really came to terms with but the whole getting to that point was a shit show Mm -hmm. so five and a half okay susan Susan. what are we gonna do about susan i mean at this point i'm just like she's there to give context to the family, right? Like, she's the teenager. But again, you just see how her voice is really not taken into account. Oh, yeah. Like, um, she was just a plot point again. Yeah, she was She was kind of like the comedic relief. Like, she was the one that was, like... If comedy was real- terrifying. Yeah. She yeah. was scary. Yeah, she was a little scary. She was also just acting nuts. Yeah. Um, you know, she also tried to stick up for Barbara... But once again, you know, the doctor kind of just waves her off and says, whatever. Right. You know, what do you know, you silly little girl, you know? Um, But yeah, I wrote, okay, murdering Beezy. Yeah, just. (laughs) Yeah, she went to town on that stupid bed with those scissors. Like, Like, what? Which also is like, like, were y'all, was she in this just like, Stage where she like like was a TARDIS doing this to her, That's or was the she just like yeah fucking flipping out? Right. Yeah. No. And that's something that that I like in this episode. We can kind of talk about in the story section. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that there are unanswered questions mm-hmm. in this. Like, what the fuck happened to Susan? Well, all of them. Like, they kept going yeah. near the TARDIS console and having oh, the pain, sharp pain in the back of their. What the fuck was was the TARDIS doing that to them? Was mm-hmm. there And so I appreciate I liked that. Mm-hmm. Um but Susan was pretty useless. Mm-hmm. She was terrifying. That I don't I want I wonder if they like sprayed water on her face to make her sweat like that, or if mm-hmm. it was like a hot day in the studio. Probably a hot day in the studio, but it worked to their advantage. Yeah. Because super sweaty Susan was horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Super sweaty murdery Susan was just terrifying. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Yeah. For so, no reason. Yeah, it is uh in some of the stuff that I've been reading about this episode, it's interesting because it's a very um standard plot point to go, Oh, there's something that's possessed somebody. We need yeah. you know, it's that among us thing. Who, yeah. Who's the who's sus? Yeah. Who's suspicious? Yeah. Who's the one that's trying to sabotage the ship? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of flip it on its head mm-hmm. because it's not anybody. It's the ship. Mm-hmm. It's the ship itself. Um, so again, like that's more story oriented, mm-hmm. but so it, but it's one of those things where it just brings Susan back to being just a plot point. Mm-hmm. She's not in a very character driven episode. She's still not really a character. She kind of gets muted in the background. Yeah. Except for her like grandfather. Well, and the screaming of grandfather. Yeah, she just, yeah. 
So what are you going to give her score-wise? I really can't score her because she really didn't do anything. So what are you going to give her score-wise? Zero. She really didn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, like she was, she was literally just there for really no reason. I'll give her a point one <laughs> because she existed. She was there. But, I mean, she really just shouldn't have <laughs> Sure. I'm still going to give her a point one. <laughs> just to be contrary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back into people that actually matter. How do we feel about Barbara in this episode? I really liked Barbara. Barbara came out to play today. She did. I, like I said before, um, she really connected the dots for folks. She, you know, really just had enough of the doctor and yeah. just like told him about himself. I was like, go oh, you. So I actually would give Barbara a seven in this episode. Nice. Because didn't really annoy me. She actually showed some bite. She's not quite there to what, like, I would love to see how her character develops Yeah. in relation to even just her and the doctor and how, like, they get along, especially right. since, like, she yelled at him and she was yeah. just like, you know. Um, yeah, so seven. I really like that she stood up to the doctor this time. Um, I question how... It seems a little weird to me that she was able to put everything together, that she's the one that was like, oh, I wrote this, I, I wrote this quote down because it was dumb. <laughs> we had time taken away from us and now it's being given back because it's running out. <laughs> I mean, what? They, they gave her... She got to be the problem solver mm -hmm. this episode. Mm -hmm. I don't know where she suddenly got like this quantum mechanics knowledge. Mm -hmm. That kind of bothered me that suddenly she was able to like put together all of this shit about the TARDIS. That she's the doctor, not even the science teacher. Right? She's not even the science teacher. Like I wish that they had given this to Susan. Mm -hmm. Susan in the first episode, in our very first introduction to her is like, I know thing, you know, Things don't make sense because I'm living in 1963 and I'm from, you know, a parallel time, whatever. And she's supposed to be this brilliant little thing yeah. that confuses Ian and Barbara. But now all of a sudden Barbara's telling them what the TARDIS does. Yeah. Yeah. When Barbara can't even con like conceptualize that they can't get back to 1963 and is still in hysterics over that. Yeah. So I wish they had given this to Susan. Which goes back to my point that I really just think that Susan is really just there to be the teen rep. She's yeah. the token teen. Yeah, she is the token teen. Like, um, which is why she got a point one. Yeah, she's a token teen. So I I wish this hadn't necessarily been Barbara, considering it was Barbara. I am glad that she gave the doctor what for. Um, I look forward to seeing if this continues to be a contentious but palsy relationship now mm -hmm. it's that whole thing that when you finally like kind of stand up to someone who's been like giving you a hard time and you're like hey bitch it's me <laughs> like let's not catch me outside bitch <laughs> with these hands you know you get thrown out you know you have you, you have to take the conversation outside for a little bit and afterwards you still don't like each other but you can talk There's about at least like a, I see you right yeah you I then all of a sudden you. yeah all of a sudden you know you have 
time where you have to spend with them and you can talk about stuff and you're fine and you can laugh with them. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you're always like, I got my eye, you bitch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You flinch and I flinch. <laughs> you know, so I, I hope that that's kind of what they're going to do with it, where yeah. there is a grudging respect between the two of them mm-hmm. um, in the sense that Barbara is willing to come for the doctor and the doctor knows it now. Mm-hmm. So he's not necessarily going to just run all over her. Yeah. Um, and for that reason, not because she got all the parts that Susan should have gotten, I'm also going to give her a seven. Mm-hmm. She really came into her own this episode and became a character, a, she did. a standalone character from Ian as opposed to Ian's sidekick. Mm-hmm. She did. Now, speaking of the white devil himself, <laughs> uh, how did you feel about Ian this episode? I mean, he just kind of takes a back seat in this episode. I was into it. Yeah. He's just a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Showing up I liked his little fainting spells people. on the floor. Yeah. You know. <gasps> yeah, him and Barbara <gasps> switched places this time. He did. I was into it. <laughs> uh, and again, Ian literally was just there. So, I mean, he's really not going to. He really had nothing really to add. I didn't feel like. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, what are you going to give him? I would also give him a zero just because he really didn't add anything. Like there was no, there was nothing that he did what was even a plot point, or even something helpful. Like, <laughs> sure, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a, a little higher than a zero, but probably not much higher, because I mean, I look at my notes and the doctor's got a ginormous column. Everybody else has very little. Oh yeah, you know. Um, I'm going to give him some points, though, because I liked his little character arc that he got in this of at the beginning of, you know, episode one, even though they're all a little loopy, um, he's still in that contentious, what's going to, they don't know how to uh, operate together, the Doctor and Ian. They're still kind of butting heads. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the episode, before Mm -hmm. they go out and play in the snow, Mm -hmm. He and the doctor seem to kind of have a little buddy-buddy thing going on. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of, you know, Ian yeah, gets see to that. see the doctor being a fucking tool and watches the doctor acknowledge he made a mistake mm-hmm. and learn from the mistake and vocalize that he made the mis- this mistake. And so Ian gets to watch the doctor grow. The doctor has to live in this humility of being observed Mm -hmm. in this state by Ian, who Mm -hmm. he has been shitty towards. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gave them in a similar way to how the doctor and Barbara moving forward have to have this grudging respect for each other. Yeah. They both have now seen each other as, you know, the quote unquote strong dominant male in a really weak position. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of have this, new buddy buddy thing mm-hmm. um where they can be friends mm-hmm. or f- more friendly mm-hmm. now it's not just contentious yeah um and so because they gave him that character arc i want to give him a four he's still pretty useless this mm-hmm. episode um i almost want to give him higher because i like the fact that he was just kind of useless this episode mm-hmm. that he wasn't the go-to hero yeah that's that i feel like him and barbara switch places yeah so i'm gonna give him a five all right you can fuck his average up, but <laughs> all right. The contentious category, the one that we always 
this is, I never imagined that this was going to be the category <laughs> that I was going to be afraid of. I thought this is the cut and dry one. This is going to be easy. No, never is. And I think I'm going to surprise you mm. this round. So who did you think was the baddie of the episode? You know, I'm kind of between the TARDIS and the doctor. I, my vote is for the TARDIS. <laughs> because, I mean, and this just goes back to just like the unanswered questions of were they possessed at some point? Was it like, was anything malicious happening? Like, was the TARDIS doing so? Things? I'm gonna go ahead and like fill you in on some of the stuff that they actually talked about in the episode that it kind of gets lost speak mm-hmm. through all the screaming and the fainting and the overdramatic chaos. The whole first episode is setting up that nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. The second episode sets up that it was the TARDIS mm-hmm. the whole time mm-hmm. trying to warn them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the doctor and by extension, Susan, and then obviously our other companions don't know that the TARDIS can do this. Mm-hmm. And this is huge because we are going from the TARDIS being a spaceship mm-hmm. to the TARDIS being a character mm-hmm. and having her own presence. Mm-hmm. And she always gets a her title. Mm-hmm. Um, and so That's one of the things that kind of that I, I see get overlooked a lot in conversations about this episode. It's like it's a madhouse. It's crazy. Yeah. And it makes no fucking sense. It yeah, is yeah. truly an acid trip. But this is where the TARDIS becomes a character. Mm-hmm. And to, I mean, to the extent that, you know, I have TARDIS memorabilia. Like the TARDIS is one of my favorite parts of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, even though she's just a spaceship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for her to suddenly have these moments of powers, telepathic ability affecting the space in a way that like, you know, your car can't suddenly melt your radio Mm -hmm. unless you turn it up real hot, but like not intentionally. Um, you know, your car can't suddenly melt your radio, but the TARDIS melts all the clocks. Melts their watches, melts the de- decorative clock. You know, the once the clocks stop working, she starts flashing her light so they can tell time again. And none of that makes fucking sense. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the TARDIS is creating all of this, to me, it's like that Disney movie, Smart House. Mm-hmm. Oh, that yeah, whole yeah, thing yeah. where, like, I'm afraid your house is going to kill me mm-hmm. in my sleep. Mm-hmm. Smart House was doing her best to protect the family, mm-hmm. but like almost Loki killed them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what the TARDIS was doing. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, the TARDIS was like, I'm going to use my sentience mm-hmm. to help protect you, but at the same time, because of everything that's happening, y'all might end up killing each other because I'm freaking you out because mm-hmm. I haven't quite figured out how to tell y'all mm-hmm. I'm trying to protect you. Mm-hmm. You know, this is very clearly the first time the TARDIS is trying to communicate with its occupants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why I would definitely go for the TARDIS being the villain. Yeah. Well, that's again, like, I'm not sure that TARDIS is necessarily the villain. Because that's why I go back and forth a little yeah. bit with it. Because I'm like, I guess, you know, it's the TARDIS finding her voice, right? And, and uh, trying to figure out her voice 
within, you know, this, this, this world where like all four of these occupants are annoying at different points in time. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but also like, it's not anything done with the intent. So like, there's like no real, like, thanks, right. Right. There's no like, girl, you were trying to make the doctor, the bad guy for the exact same reason last week. That he well, had, this is the road machine. to hell was paved with good intentions. This is a machine. Yes, but that has sentience. Versus the doctor who is 60-something years old, has gone through multiple dimensions, visited so is multiple the TARDIS. people. And the TARDIS, and it's not stated here that the TARDIS suddenly has sentience. Yeah. Well, it's I that mean, the doctor is aware of her sentience. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying in the sense that, like, the TARDIS here, I think, is not like the TARDIS and, and I'm just strictly based on like a machine aspect right like well, there sure, was no, but you're not much more than a machine with sentience well yeah but this but the TARDIS like there's no like for there to be like actual malice there has there, there has to be an intent for the malice Right, like you intentionally have to think and plan and do these things, right? Which I don't think that the TARDIS was doing. I think that the TARDIS was definitely trying to warn them and try to figure out the best way to warn them. But she wasn't necessarily like the driving. Like I think in in just the sense of just like this specific episode, in the context of what we know that is Doctor Who till at this point in time, yeah. right? With this Doctor. I, I I really think that there lacks that intent to be malicious. Well, sure, but no one was trying to be malicious in the last episode and you gave it to all the people who were trying to be malicious but were dicks unintentionally. Because those are actual human beings. Well, yes, like, but what I'm going to argue is that I think that you are giving human like i think that you need to especially in the sense of science fiction Mm -hmm. it's really important that you don't look at machines as if it's sentient Mm -hmm. it's sentient Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's a machine or or a biological sentience Mm -hmm. it's still sentient Mm -hmm. what is the difference between sentience out of a machine and sentience out of a biological organism Mm I get what you're saying, but I'm still not convinced. I don't, and and, and I'm just and I'm just saying this in the in the context of with people, right? There is an established pattern, you know, that repeats itself. And in 1963, England, right? That that's post-colonization, post all this other shit, like that's just been ingrained into the DNA. So you're going to give the TARDIS, basically what you're saying is that you're going to give the TARDIS a pass because you don't have previous experience with sentient machines. I don't, but also in in this world, there's no, like, I can't, I can't attach how long this machine has been sentient, like sentient. Sure. I can't attach what the past of this machine is. Like if, if I knew more about the TARDIS, where the TARDIS okay. came from, 
Like if if the yeah, TARDIS and we is, don't know. And at this point, I don't think we have been told anything about the TARDIS. Yes, and so, about their relationship. So in this sense, yes, it is a little bit of a bias towards okay. the human beings, just because. I'm okay with it as long as we acknowledge that there's a bias. No, no, no. Yeah. And, and I'm just explaining it. Yeah. Because like with the TARDIS, I have very limited information to go for in terms of just like the TARDIS as a machine sure. and potentially a species right? sure. um, from a different dimension, world, planet, whatever, right? Versus the more tangible 1968, you know, white, yeah. Yeah. British you know, doctor who was already an asshole to yeah. begin with, right? So, like, it's very, yeah, it's very different for me. Like, I, I still, in that might change, right? Sure. The TARDIS might show, well, probably will show her true colors eventually, right? And I, and I might judge her differently then, but as of now... I think that's fair. There's no real basis yeah. for me to just say... So you think the doctor's the bad guy? Um, again, like, he's not necessarily a bad guy. He's not a villain. He's just a shitty person. Sure. In yeah. this one. So I, I I honestly don't really think that there is one like terrible, terrible, terrible person in this episode. I mean, I, I, I still don't like the doctor. Sure. So baddie score for this episode. I mean, I feel like the doctor's gonna get a low score because he's he really he's just an asshole. <laughs> yeah. He was an asshole. Um I'd probably give him a five. As the villain? Yeah, because he was just a dick. Kind of just in the middle. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, he had a yeah. little bit of his redeeming aspect, but like... He wasn't a great villain. He just was, the for you, the most... He was the most dangerous entity. Yeah. Yeah. And given just his past. Sure. Right? Yeah. Now, if the TARDIS would have been showing her ass the last couple of episodes, I probably would think differently. Yeah. So I'm going with the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Which I think is okay, because, like, you know, I also feel like the Doctor mm-hmm. was wiling out this episode. Um, but I think that the TARDIS was potentially more dangerous because it was this unknown element. Because they were looking to solve this problem without knowing all of the components while the TARDIS was still moving forward and trying. Very smart house, mm-hmm. you know. It's that whole thing where, you know, she wasn't trying to hurt the family, but she was going to fucking kill them mm-hmm. to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. And I think that if Barbara hadn't stepped in and figured everything out, you know, if we had one more episode, you know, they were at the point where the doctor was like, well, fuck, we got four minutes. Mm-hmm. Let's go let the ladies over there. Ian, come cry in the corner with me because yeah. I'm freaking the fuck out mm-hmm. because my home is trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I am going to give her a seven mm-hmm. because I thought it was really clever. Mm-hmm. to take this thing so far mm-hmm. that has kind of just been this passive, we just need to get back to the TARDIS. You know, that's the whole point of every mm-hmm. serial is, oh, why can't we get back to the TARDIS? Yeah. And suddenly making an episode where we're only on the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem of getting back to the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And yet they're in arguably more danger Mm-hmm. Than they ever were from cavemen or Daleks, mm-hmm. and so I and like turning that whole trope of it's an alien that's in one of us mm-hmm. to it's my surroundings. Yeah, yeah. And I liked I liked that. So I'm gonna give the TARDIS a high high score because she's terrifying. Yeah. 
Yeah. This this just talking about the TARDIS and just how she's like really just coming into her own now is is reminding me of like um the dog bite theory in law where it's like um, if your dog bites someone randomly the first time, mm-hmm. you really have no fault because you don't you don't know that this animal is predisposed to having this aggression. Mm-hmm. Versus when you already know and they bite someone, then you are held liable. Yeah. So this kind of just reminds me of that. Like the TARDIS bit today. Okay. TARDIS I'm, bit. I'm into that. Yeah. TARDIS bit. Well, look, lawyers are smart. <laughs> and not all the bit assholes. No. <laughs> just, 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 some. <laughs> just some. Just a lot. Uh, <laughs> But the TARDIS bit, right? The TARDIS bit, she showed that she had some teeth. She did. Yeah. You know, she showed what she's capable of. She bit Timmy to pull him out of the well, but she still yeah. bit. Yeah. Again, it's like it's yeah. like the it's like another book I'm reading about like, do will my cat eat my eyeballs when I die? And it's like Okay, hold on. What? <laughs> I was not expecting that sentence. Well, my cat eat my eyeballs when I die. Yeah. Yes, Luna will. Yeah, and it's Probably. based, and it's more just based on the fact that like your animal may not necessarily want to eat your eyeballs, right? But they have to survive. Or in one instance, like they, there was this example that the mortician gave where. Uh, this woman would pass out drunk often, and her dog would kind of nip at her to wake her up. And one day she just was dead, and the dog just kept nipping at her, nipping at her to wake her up, and she never woke up. So, like, the dog <laughs> ate her. Ate her face. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know why I was talking about that, essentially. Um, uh, I'm going to also tell you, you are never allowed to make fun of me <laughs> for the content I consume. No pun intended. I, I read a lot of real morbid shit, and I've watched a lot of real morbid shit. But, like, not, I can't watch horror movies, but I can watch the trials of uh, You can't watch, you can't watch horror movies, but you can entertain the concept that your dog is going to eat your flesh off of your bones. I'm reading a book about death and the common questions that get asked by morticians. Okay, sure. Yeah, I can, I can watch, I can watch the R. Kelly documentary. I can watch the, the fucking uh, trial of that little kid, Gabriel. I think it was a or whatever, but the I think kids, that's a comedian. Uh, Gabriel this is a comedian. Yeah, but Gabriel. There's an actual chat, like documentary on Netflix oh, okay. about like a kid who died of abuse, um, and just how the system fucking failed him over and over again. It's really fucking depressing. But like, I watched that before I went to bed. Like, and I sleep a lot, you know. <laughs> so it's just. <laughs> See, we're just made of different stuff. This is why you're. You can do serious things can like immigration to, law. Yeah, and I can why. listen to people talk about how they were I tortured, be, but like I can't. Yeah, like that's why. What's why? That's why I'm like over here, like reading fantasy and science fiction. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Legolas. Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm just like death to yeah. destruction. I mean, I am too. It's just very different. <laughs> it's not real. It can't happen to me. Okay. <clears throat> So, the story as a whole. It was really just crazy. and didn't really do much. It's a placeholder, for sure. Yeah. So, I'm going to give it a five. Placeholder. I, this being my third viewing, mm-hmm. I was have gone into this telling you I was going to score it like a one or a two. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time I really took hold of 
while I was watching it, realizing this was the birth of the TARDIS Mm -hmm. as a character, Mm -hmm. as more than a just machine. Mm -hmm. And not just that it was the birth of the TARDIS as a machine, but that the doctor didn't know it beforehand. That he also thought it was just a machine. I I guess I just never really picked it. Mm. I guess. This is a clusterfuck of an episode. (laughs) Um, And it got, you know, lost Lost, in the chaos. And so I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And I really love that. Um, It doesn't necessarily save the episode, Mm -hmm. but I think that it's a really fascinating subtext Mm -hmm. to the second episode. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give it a seven. Not great, but important. So then we come to the most important question. Was it neat? I mean, it was just, there was just a lot of crazy going on. So I would say that this is probably like a whiskey that I would, I would take on the rocks. So no. Good. Cause I said no too. <laughs> I'm really glad that it, at the very least, considering that we very rarely agree on our scores, um, that we have agreed so far on every every episode on whether it was neat or not. Because mm-hmm. um, I didn't think it was, it's not one, this one needs so much context to be able to really appreciate it mm-hmm. to the extent that like, I don't even know if you have enough context to appreciate it yet. It's one that I think that you have to like re it's going it'll, it'll be one that you know in 17 years when we finish this journey <laughs> to go back and watch mm-hmm. i think it'll be it would be interesting to see your perspective on it then mm-hmm. but if it takes watching 27 million seasons mm-hmm. to appreciate the episode mm-hmm. it's not neat yeah it yeah. can't be a standalone it's not yeah. something i would sh- go to somebody and say watch this episode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so no it's not neat it's definitely not whiskey Oh man! Don't shame Doctor Who like that. There's not. There are. There's. We have not had an episode yet that was as not neat as this whiskey. (laughs) This whiskey is like the antithesis of neat. I could take that one, but I can't. Not with ice. No, I mean, look, I'm a no. (laughs) I hesitate to say this in a recording, (laughs) but people might. I might include it in the episode. We'll see how I feel when I'm listening to it. But like, this belongs in Coca-Cola. We're like, not at all. Yeah. Sorry, 1835. Yeah, I'm not. Y'all suck. I mean, if you want to give me some for free after I've ripped you a new one, then that's fine. If you would like for us to give it another shot, please contact a... Media on the rocks at gmail.com. Media on the rocks pod at gmail.com. I'm really glad Jen knows our email address. You know, it's fine. This is why we have you here. Yes, that's that's my job. I've got all the notes. It's fine. Okay, so our next serial Mm -hmm. is called Marco Polo. Hmm. Now, we have to have a small caveat section. Okay. This is going to go into a little bit of the history of Doctor Who a little bit. Um, it's quite sad. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, this is all being kept on big rolls of film, right? Because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how they could do it. They kept them in storerooms and 
obviously, if you keep physical items in a storeroom, you eventually run out of space. Mm-hmm. And the BBC, at some point, goes, here's this science fiction show we've been having for a really long time. We're running out of space. Eh. Just get rid of them. Mm-hmm. So they did. And if you get rid of the footage, the original footage, it's gone forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe if, now granted guys, I'm going straight off of Wikipedia, but it hasn't changed recently. Mm-hmm. So um, it probably is still the same. 97 episodes are currently missing. Totally. Mm-hmm. No access to them. Every once in a while, you'll hear of this happened a couple of years ago, and huh, we all fucking flipped the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Where usually it will be in Australia or New Zealand or in some random place in Africa. Mm-hmm. Because to show the show, mm-hmm. that can of footage had to travel. And so mm-hmm. it would go to this station, they would play it, it goes on the air. That region watched it. And then they put it in the mail and it goes to the next region. And so where the BBC had destroyed all of this footage, sometimes in like New Zealand, you'll find another role Mm -hmm. because that was the end of the line. That was the last place Mm -hmm. to get it. And so they shoved it in a corner and forgot about it. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years ago, an entire story got found in a couple of other episodes. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, when we get to these, there will be like one episode in the serial that still exists. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's going to be a good chunk of them gone. Mm-hmm. Marco Polo is completely lost, um, which is a real fucking shame because it's the, the serial that they dumped all the money into. Uh, beautiful costumes, just extravagant sets. It's a damn shame we lost it. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the nice things about it is that there is a production company that has gathered all of the set photos mm. from these. And there's like a shit ton of them. There mm-hmm. are a whole bunch of set photos. Mm-hmm. And they also still have the audio track. Mm. And what they've done is compile the audio track in the set photos. And in some of these situations, we also have very short um, video clips oh, okay. to... Let us still get a sense of the story. Got it. Okay. So, unfortunately for you, we can watch these, mm-hmm. but it's going to be like a bad YouTube fu- video. It, yeah. <laughs> and this is going to be a long one. All right. But that's how we're going to have to watch these because these are still part of the stories. And if we have some, there, I don't think there are any that are completely out of. Like, no access. Okay. There are even some where people have animated them. Interesting. To be able to watch them. Hmm. Um, so those will be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, these stories will probably suffer in terms of their story score or their neat score. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll still be able to get a sense of character okay. out of these. Um, so we are going to watch Marco Polo, but... Unfortunately, we're going to have to find a way to do it not through BritBox because it's not available on BritBox. All right. It's an adventure. It's going to be an adventure. Um, So that's it for this week, guys. Next time uh, we will be 
convening to talk about the lost story of Marco Polo. For now, it's bye, guys. Bye. Hey, y'all. It's Diana. Thank you so much for listening to the end of the episode. If you want to catch us for another dram, subscribe to get Doctor Who on the Rocks as soon as it's released. And if you think we're neat, please rate and review on iTunes. It really helps us out a lot. You can also check us out at on the rocks pod, all underscored on Instagram, or if you have comments or concerns or even better whiskey recommendations, please send them to media on the rocks pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to us. We look forward to seeing y'all again in two weeks for the next episode and another glass of whiskey. See you next time.